Look who's coming up. Fantastic, terrific Tuesday edition of Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, I mean, there's just a massive amount of stuff uh, going on right now. Let's take a live look at uh, what's happening with Major League Baseball. This is courtesy of MLB.com. The Phillies taking it to the Braves, 7-3. This one is in the top of the seventh. Uh, They chased Max Fried uh, early in this contest uh so we'll keep our eye on what's going on there and already those upstart mariners with a one nothing lead on the houston astros getting to uh the probable al cy young winner justin verlander early uh they are in the top of the second twice the mariners have had a man on third already in this game so it's the visiting upstart wild card winners that are getting it done early in the NL and ALDS series. Uh, some fun stuff to keep our eyes on for sure. And we definitely will be doing that uh, as we roll along the show today. Good afternoon. My name is Dean Millard. Well, I guess good afternoon wherever you're watching. Most people, it is a good afternoon as uh, we are rolling our way towards two more baseball games today and a pair of hockey games tonight. Yes, the opening of the North American portion of the NHL season. Of course, San Jose, Nashville opened the season last week in uh, Czechia. Uh, But this week... It is North American ice. Uh, That's going to be so exciting. We're going to touch on that tonight uh, on today's show uh, with Derek Van Deest of Post Media and NHL.com. He's going to join us in the second hour of the show. Uh, DVD, of course, uh, covers the Edmonton Oilers. uh, But also, he does cover uh, the rest of the league uh, for the National Hockey League, NHL.com. And, of course, he is a big, uh, big-time um, fan and a media personality when it comes to the game of footy. He was just recently uh, over in Austria to, to watch Canada and a couple of friendlies as the Mariners have tacked on at least one more. Uh, it's two now. 3 nothing Seattle on a uh, double to the gap. Um so DVD was also, like I mentioned, covering uh, Canada's friendly. So we'll check in with him on what's going on with uh, that club. And obviously, Alfonso Davies got kicked in the face the other day. That's not good news. And how about them Cowboys? How about Juan Rodriguez? That's who hit that uh, gap to the double for the Mariners. Guy's flying this postseason. No wonder they paid him so much. Um, so DVD will join us at 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, in about uh, 14 minutes' time, Eric Grossman from What's Your Call Sports. He spent 15 years with the Toronto Blue Jays, including 
times in the postseason. So we'll, we'll talk to him a little bit about, you know, what's going on in these series, obviously. What happened to the Jays, that slow car crash. Also, I'm going to talk to him about how pitchers are getting pitches uh, in some forms. Thanks to the Astros. Thanks to the Astros. They are the, the ones that caused all of these teams to get so technological so people don't steal it. And yet, Jim Crane, he's still fine with it. I don't think it taints it. Yeah, of course you don't, Jim. He's the owner of the Astros. Why would he think he taints it? So it's interesting how teams are getting around stealing signals. So Eric Grossman from What's Your Call Sports at 420 Eastern and our Dauber Hockey double shot today, it's the Leafs and the Lightning. We'll be previewing those two teams. Expect both of those clubs to make the NHL playoffs and provide a lot of fantasy value. Uh, obviously, most drafts are over, but now you're you're looking at moves to make. Guys on the waiver wire, guys to target in trades, all that fun stuff. Michael Amato from Dauber Hockey Sportsnet and Goalie Post will join us on Thursday. We'll take a look at some things that have happened this week and some matchups uh, on the weekend that might be able to help you out when it comes to the waiver wire and some goalies. Uh, also get to my fearless predictions today. Larry Fisher had his uh, yesterday. I will get my fearless predictions going today. But our question of the day, it's time for you to make a fearless prediction. What is your Stanley Cup final? What two teams do you have fighting it out from the East and the West in the Stanley Cup Finals? I hinted at this yesterday. I'm bullish on the Rangers, and I really like the St. Louis Blues. So I'm picking both of those teams uh, to meet in the final. I think it would be fun. You know, a little bit of different style. The Blues are big, heavy, uh, lean on you. I'm not saying the Rangers aren't uh, able to play tough hockey, but they seem to just have oodles of skill and youth. So I think that would be a really good matchup. Tell me what your Stanley Cup prediction is. Uh, either drop it in our uh, Twitch chat message board or hit me up on Twitter. Uh, you can do that at Duck Millard or at UFS Network. Here are all the ways to reach us on Twitter at UFS Network or at UFF Sports. At UFF Sports Official on Instagram, the website UFFSports.com and info at UFFSports.com if you have a question about anything. So what is your prediction for the Stanley Cup final? Hit me up in our Twitch chat message board or on Twitter, however you would like. Our top three today, top three NHL teams that will surprise. And I think, um, obviously, the Senators, I think, should be uh, a popular pick based on what they did last year. Moves that were made in aggressive trades and signings, along with the youth that they have, I don't know if they'll push for a playoff spot, but I think they're a bubble team. I think they're, uh, oh, Rodriguez just scored. Mariners are up 4 nothing on uh, Verlander and the Astros. Like, how did the 42 pitches and the second inning isn't even over yet for Justin Verlander? Not enough spin going on. So, anyway, the Senators, because of that, the Golden Knights, because I think people are writing them off and obviously forgetting Jack Eichel. Like, I think Jack Eichel scores 50 this year, I think he can get 50. 
And I don't even have him in fantasy. I do have Mark Stone. I'm hoping that he gets about 70 assists. But I think the Golden Knights are going to surprise. Um, there are question marks, obviously, uh, with injuries and, and you know, Robin Leonard on the shelf. But listen, I'm probably a little biased, but I know Kelly McCrimmon never stops searching for a solution. And uh, I think that there will be something that will happen at some point. Hello, everybody who's joining us at UFF Sports and Maria Maria. Thank you very much for being a part of the show today. And the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, this is going to be this going to be contrary to everything I've said, because I think everything I've said so far is that I think the Flyers are going to be a crazy gong show. But I think all of it might mesh together. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't think the Flyers will be a lottery team like or uh, like a bottom five team. I think they're going to be better than people expect. I think Torts is going to... Like, I think Ivan Provorov's going to have a good year. Um, if if Carter Hart can be steady early, it's good. I don't know what moves that, that they possibly can make, but Flyers, I'll throw them down because uh, with John Tortorella, you just never know. Honestly, you never know. And you notice none of those teams are any of my picks to be in the Stanley Cup Final because I don't think any of those teams... Uh, save for the Golden Knights, are a playoff team. So that's the question of the day and also our uh, top three. So as mentioned, Major League Baseball playoffs underway. The NLDS and the ALDS game one. Uh, we have a 7-3 Phillies lead in game one of uh, the NLDS. They, of course, are taking on the Braves and... They jumped on uh, Atlanta early, very, very early in this game. And they chased Max Freed uh, four innings in. So it looks like the Phillies are uh, on cruise control. The Braves have managed, I think, five, six hits. That's it. Obviously, uh, not good enough. Ranger Suarez uh, only needed to go three and a third, and then the Phillies uh, got into the bullpen. And it's been all hits. It's been all, like, 11 hits, no home runs uh, for the Phillies. So, good stuff on that. We'll keep you up to date on uh, what's going on with uh, Major League Baseball uh, and, of course, uh the games later tonight, uh, we will touch on that. But uh, we have to start uh, with a very huge story that has taken, uh, and rightfully so, uh, and been given a lot of airtime here in Canada, but around the world, I think, as well, when it comes to the hockey world. And that is what is happening with Hockey Canada. If you don't know the story, um, there's been... Uh, at least two allegations of sexual assault uh, based on two Canadian World Junior teams. Again, these are allegations that are being investigated. And since then, a lot of questions have come under fire with Hockey Canada about policies, about payments. They have uh, appeared before the House of Commons. They've appeared in standing committees. And all along, for whatever reason... Hockey Canada was digging their heels in and obviously acknowledging that if things were, you know, things went bad, they, they would have to try to fix them. But just did not ever seem humble enough, in my opinion, and a lot of opinions. The NHL is 
conducting its own investigation. Whether or not we see people face uh, punishment for their involvement, if, if there was or not, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's said that people will not be able to represent Hockey Canada, but is there going to be a Hockey Canada? Well, developments today might have saved the organization. It's still way too late for a lot of uh, fans, parents, and sponsors this year. But what they did today maybe will help. Like, I don't know what the World Juniors in Halifax is going to look like, but I do know that today major changes, uh, you know, have taken place. Started yesterday with uh, CE interim enter, uh, CEO Andrea Skinner stepping down. Today, Scott Smith uh, and the board also stepped down. Again, I don't know why something like this didn't happen earlier. I think they could have saved certainly um, a lot of their reputation. It came across as a little bit of arrogance for a lot of people. Um, I don't know if I would use the term arrogance. I don't think Hockey Canada was sitting in there saying we're too big to fail. But I think they just weren't humble enough. And so they're trying now. But anyway, this is a, a big story that is going to continue to unfold, certainly when the investigations come out, and by no means are we going to start speculating on the players. Unfortunately, that's been done, and, and that's not what we're here to do. Also, I didn't get the chance to talk about this yesterday, but really disturbing allegations, again, let's stress their allegations, uh, pointed at Ian Cole of the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, yes, this is a fantasy show, but we're not going to get into that fantasy value. We're just going to tell you that player has been suspended by the Lightning until uh, an investigation. Uh, allegations were made anonymously on Twitter about grooming uh, of a minor and sexual assault. So two big stories dominating kind of the hockey landscape as the season gets underway, but two very important stories. Uh, again, these are allegations being investigated by a number of different things, but Hockey Canada... The board has stepped down. Scott Smith has stepped down. Andrea Skinner has stepped down. Do you have to still scrap it and start all over? You know, there's a lot of really good people uh, at different levels in Hockey Canada that are not involved in these decisions uh, at all, but that have done some really good things for kids at the minor level. So let's remember that this is an organization that, yeah, has made some terrible mistakes and they are getting rid of the people that were in charge of making those mistakes. But the people at the lower levels of Hockey Canada that have invested hours and hours and hours helping help the game, grow the game, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. That, that's the biggest thing I want to point out with that is if you have to restructure it, fine. But there's a lot of really good people in that organization that had nothing to do with this. And unfortunately, there's players being tarnished and have to come out with statements and things like that. So that's the story of that. I would highly recommend following Rick Westhead on social media. He has been all over this story from the start. So that is very, very important uh, to get to as we roll along on the program. All right, uh, with that in mind, uh, we'll duck out for a commercial break. Get it? Duck out as I 
a sip from a duck man's domination mug the season getting underway tonight in the nhl the season getting underway in the ufhl there's already a team in our league that's not going to get any points tonight because they didn't do waivers properly and they have an illegal roster serious business boys and girls serious business uh, you know i've already worn my gold medal from the ufwj Hopefully, uh, this will be a championship cup, and there will be a Klein Cup on set at the end of the season. I'm not going to predict that. I I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not even sure we're going to make the playoffs, but we will make a run, that's for sure. Man, it's fun to say the season is underway, and it's so fun to be watching baseball and two upstart teams. The Phillies up 7-3 on the Braves uh, through seven innings, or they're in the top of the eighth, and the Mariners... They just keep rolling. Like, they weren't done with that 8-1 comeback against Toronto. Now they're loading up on the Houston Astros. Logan Gilbert has a 4-0 lead to work with in the second inning. We'll get into more of Major League Baseball when Eric Grossman of What's Your Call Sports joins us when we return. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports.
right, it is uh, 5.22, uh, or 4.22 Eastern time. Skipped an hour uh, there. Uh, this is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on uh, just a terrific Tuesday. you got two Major League Baseball playoff games going on right now, and maybe uh, the Houston Astros are going to fight back a little bit because they do have a man on first now. So uh, just an awesome day. Major League Baseball, four games today. We'll get into the schedule in a little bit. And then, of course, uh, the NHL season opens in North America tonight with a pair of games. We'll talk about that a little bit later with uh, Derek Van Deest of uh, Post Media. Uh, But right now, I'm uh, very happy to bring in our uh, first guest of the day. Uh, He is with What's Your Call Sports, and he he spent 15 years with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, so he knows exactly what this time of the year is is like and unfortunately uh what happened last uh weekend eric grossman of what's your call sports joining me on the show as he does on tuesdays and uh, eric uh action right now uh going on in major league baseball this is such a an incredible time of the year uh, i just wish these games that it lasted longer to have this afternoon baseball but how about the phillies jumping on the Braves, and, and Max Freed doesn't even last four innings. The ace of their staff is gone already. These upstart teams, they're not quitting after the wild card. It's, Dean, it's incredible. I mean, honestly, I mean, sometimes you just have to sit back and just enjoy it. Just, just laugh at sports. Like, that's the thing. Like, if anyone can, you know, if we could predict all these things, like, you know, it, you can't. Right, because we're not robots. Nobody's a robot. You right. know, everyone, you know, you have your good days, you have your bad days. I know it sounds kind of simple, but I mean, it's it's true. You're just it's it's just you and the ball. You're on the mound. It's gonna go well or it's not. I know it sounds, you know, but that's just really the simple fact of the matter. Yeah, and and the Phillies, you know, they're doing it. You know, sometimes you might look and you'd be like, wow, he's out in the fourth inning. They must they're up seven three. They must have hit a lot of home runs. They're just yeah. smacking the ball around the yard and, and getting runners in scoring position. And that's actually what Seattle did, right? Right off the bat, jumping on Justin Verlander. And you know, maybe that's the strategy for these underdog teams is why why should we be intimidated? You know, we just knocked out the Cardinals uh, with some of the, you know, Hall of Famers, or we just came back from 8-1 against a team with the stacked young studs. So why be intimidated? Let's just go after it. Seattle, in the first two innings, had two runners on third or runner on third twice i mean i guess that's the thing you're there as a wild card team nobody expects you to win go after it and and, you know throw courage to the wind exactly i mean i like these two examples these two matchups because there's familiarity there like there's like they play each other so much during the year that you do pick up on certain things so so let's take philly and atlanta for example so philly would have seen this pitcher you know, maybe I, I should have, maybe I could have, you know, looked before I got on just to see how many times the Phillies have faced, right? So now this could go both ways. A lot of times when a pitcher has success against a certain team, um, it's because they've done the film work. They know what pitches to throw, which ones not to throw, which locations to, to throw them. There's a game plan for everybody. If you face them enough times, you know the strengths and weaknesses of each team, right? So in each player. So that's good and bad. It also works the other way for the for the opposing team because then they know your ins and outs as well as anybody. So it's like if they picked up on something. I remember, I remember Cito um, would always he he would say it a lot of times. He can tell a, what a pitcher is going to throw just by their body language, 
just by the way if they do something with their glove if they do something with their glove they knows it's off speed if he mm -hmm. doesn't do something he if they don't do it then it's he would tell the hitters what to look for so there's little things like that when you see a guy enough you start picking up on those things and that's for houston and seattle as well so maybe seattle has faced verlander um sometimes this year and they and they're picking up on those things i'm not saying that's happening i'm just saying those are things to look for when watching those matchups it's interesting. So, and, and you know, you, you have Justin Verlander, so people will say, well, of, of course you're, you're going to stick with uh, Justin Verlander, but like he's almost at 50 pitches already. And <laughs> you, obviously it's Justin Verlander. So he gets a little bit more rope to try to get, and Houston has an ex pretty explosive offense. So, you know, he's, he's at 50 pitches right now, top of the third with one out. Other managers at times might have bailed on it. This is Dusty Baker, right? This is Dusty Baker saying, this is my horse. I'm going to see if this guy can recover. And then that's what a Hall of Fame career has bought Justin Verlander, isn't it? hundred percent. I mean, and this is what, this is where the man, managerial um, instinct comes in. You, that's what I was, um, I was saying earlier when, when I'd come on your show, be like, okay, so a manager isn't always taking this guy out, batting this guy here. It's understanding each player. And each player needs to have a different kind of understanding than another player. So he, he will manage Verlander differently than he manages anybody on the team. So he knows what he's doing when leaving Verlander out. It's just like you said, Dean. If, he, if it was another pitcher and maybe not as much experience, then maybe there's a bit of a shorter leash. But with Verlander, um, he's just got confidence that he'll at least keep him in. Even if he's got his C stuff, not even his B stuff, just his C stuff might be better than a lot of people's B, you know? So, um, I, I, look, I'm going to take Dusty's uh, word for mm -hmm. it here. He knows what he's doing and maybe it'll work out. Who knows? Or not. <laughs> you know, and, and not, here's, here's the thing. If it, yeah. if it doesn't work yeah. out, at least you're not burning bullpen arms in a four, nothing right. game, right? You're okay. Right. So if Verlander, certainly you want Verlander to be able to pitch again in this series, possibly. So you don't want to burn him out too much, but he can easily get to 60, 65 pitches and then you can take him out and then you're not wasting uh, a bullpen arm. So, and, and again, it's, it's dusty Baker managing by feel uh, tonight. You got ALDS game one, uh, Guardians and Yankees, and out of any team that is playing with house money, is it not Cleveland? I mean, nobody expected them to be here. Maybe if Baltimore would have made the playoffs. I mean, Seattle, people could see Seattle coming. And, and the other teams, I don't think there's a surprise. But this is a surprise that I think Cleveland is, is here as early as they are. And, and now they get the juggernauts. But I like this pitching matchup, and I, I like Cleveland in this series for one reason. Well, in this game for one reason. Garrett Cole gives up home runs. He does. It's it's the thing that has plagued him the last little bit. So I like Cleveland to continue this upset. Is it too much for them to beat the Yankees, do you think? Oh, no. I, I'm actually um I agree with you. Um that's I'm I'm gonna take Cleveland to actually win this series. Mm. Um I like even more so that it's a five games. Um, it's best of five with Cleveland. The less games, I mean, this isn't rocket science, but the less games you have the win, it's going to be better. And you can surprise a team. Like that's why I didn't want to put too much stock into that first round. Like it's only, it's best of three. To me, that's anything goes just put the throw, honestly, throw it up in the air and see where it lands. Like it, it's that it could a series of that, you know, that short of a series. I mean, it could favor anybody. So I like this. I like this matchup tonight, and I'll tell you why. If the if if Cleveland beats the Yankees tonight, what that does to the mindset um, of the Yankees, just knowing that they just beat their best guy, 
It's yeah. It just goes. It just gives them so. It'll give Cleveland so much confidence knowing they just beat your best. That's your best hand, and we just beat them. And if it goes that way, then the Yankees start going. Oh, okay. Then you start. It, it's all mindset at this point. It's nothing. It's not physical anymore. Now it just comes. It comes down to just dialing in, focusing in on on what you're going to do out there, and any thoughts that get in the way of the goal and what you have. It just it'll it'll really play on you. So. This is, I know it's game one, it's not over, but this is a big game one from probably for more than the other series, I think. I think yeah, this, and pro- this, this game one's more important. And probably more important for Cleveland than, than certainly it is the, yeah. the Yankees, right? Like Cleveland, to win yeah. this game, if the Yankees win it, then they're just, the, and then, the, you know, the, the confidence decreases. But if, they, if Cleveland wins this game, uh, it's like, okay, well, this, this is, you know, it really throws a question mark into that, uh, that Yankee mindset. Maybe uh, we'll see, but oh, certainly, sure. but it's more important. Game one is more important to win for Cleveland than I think it is uh, for the Yankees. And and then yep. this is an interesting story. Uh, you've got this this matchup of the little brother, big brother, San Diego. You know, has been trying and you know looked like they were building their roster to try and compete with the Dodgers, and now they do get the Dodgers. And you know, this is a Dodger team that doesn't have Walker Bueller is not starting Clayton Kershaw in the very first game. So this is a different. Dodger team than we've seen and it is still a Dodger team that has dominated uh the Padres uh in the regular season what do you think do you do you give the Padres a chance in this series I like I'm a Dodgers fan and the Padres worry me because they do have good pitching I give Dean my my approach to the playoffs especially in baseball um I give everybody a chance to beat anybody um I say that because I mean, ultimately, it comes down to just how, you know, look, if you go back and you remember, I mean, you, you said you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan, right? And you would remember, you would probably be able to remember the year better than I would. They, the St. Louis Cardinals won a World Series by winning 84 games one year, I do believe. I want to say, I just can't remember what year 2011? I remember. Yes. Yes, it was 2011. The Blue Jays that year, I remember just because I was there and I remember like we were talking about it, we won 87 games that year, I think. So we we were the better we were a better regular season team than the Cardinals, but the Cardinals won the World Series. Why did the Cardinals win the World Series? Well, a they were pretty darn good. But b once you get in, the hard part's getting in. I mean, even more so back then. But getting in, once you get in, it's everything. Everyone's zero zero. It's back to square one. There's no advantages. There's no this. There's no that. I mean. Remember, like, everyone talks about momentum. Like, oh, the Jays had such great momentum going in. And this team has such mm-hmm. – your only – momentum is only good if your starting pitcher doesn't give up six runs, you know, <laughs> in, the first, in the first couple innings, just for yeah. example. So, I like the Padres. I don't see why the Padres can't win. Now, here's the thing. You're a, Dod- you're a Dodgers fan. I remember you saying that. And the Dodgers and the Braves, to me, are very – like, they're really far removed from everybody else as far as, like, elite level goes, right? Padres are good. They wouldn't be there if they weren't. Um, the Dodgers, they have to do so much wrong. They have to give it – in my mind, they have to give it away. Right. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I, I not to totally. discredit the Padres. Yeah, it's ultimately what the Dodgers decide to do. And they're going to dictate the whole thing. So it, they have to give it away. They've got – so many things have to happen negatively for them for, for the Padres to win. Um, Padres, I don't think, are going to take it from them. The Dodgers will give it to them if it goes that way. Yeah, and, and how different of a series would this be if you had Tatis Jr.? It's just so disappointing. You know, and I'm a Dodgers fan. I want to see yeah. the best players on the field all the time. And this is interesting. L.A. 
has left Craig Kimbrell off the NLDS roster. Like this, you know, the if anybody's watched Craig Kimbrell, they know he's got the wacky windup and everything, but he had wacky numbers. He lost the closing job in September for the Dodgers. So this is a guy they went out in the offseason and got. Um, it's interesting. Like being a Dodger fan, I am so used to closer confusion because Kenley Jansen was great, but sometimes he would just implode at the most inopportune times. And uh, honestly, uh, just you know, from watching this team, I'd rather have Blake Trinan and Dustin May. I don't trust Craig Kimball right now. I think they got other guys. Bruce Dog Gratterall can close games, but when you go out and get your closer at the off season and then you get to the most important time and he can't close that's a that's a fail that's disappointing it's you know the Dodgers invested Kimbrel fell off the the rails but that's a the real disappointment you know a team that has won 111 games can probably overcome that but not a lot of teams will be able to overcome this at this point of the season no i mean exactly right like i remember you know when i was in the game and it, i i always wonder when people said like oh you don't need to spend a lot of money on your back in your bullpen. You don't need to spend money on a closer. You can find a closer. I mean, some of that is true. Like sometimes they kind of turn up in interesting places, but like, I don't understand why if a team can afford, especially when you're a bigger market team, you can basically buy anybody. Why you wouldn't want to get a shutdown, a shutdown closer. What that does, it's not just the player itself and how valuable they are. It sets everything else up. So everybody now knows what their role is. So like, you know what I mean? It's like the puzzle piece again. It's, it's, here the, you have the closer then you have your eighth then you have your seventh now everybody it's everything goes into place you know what i mean just that just to have that and again it goes back to that mindset again when you have a shutdown dominant closer you know what that does to the other team you press because you can even though they play with a clock you start feeling like there's a clock when you only That's have right. this many right this many innings to score now and it really affects the way a manager will then games like because then they have to know well we better I got to do something here to get in the lead. And they start thinking that way in the fourth inning, if they're down a couple of runs, like it changes the complexity, the whole, you know, so I don't, I never understood why people would minimize that and not put a dollar amount on it. I think it's very crucial. And it always shows up in this part of the year. I mean, just, just think about, um, you know, going into Yankee stadium and then in the late nineties and getting into the sixth, seventh inning thinking, we got to score some runs because enter Sandman is coming up right away and Rivera is coming in and he's going to lock it down. Or, you know, the great Jays teams where you had Tom Hankey back there or, you know, you just the, the dominant teams you could count on them bringing in a guy. Now, like I said, the, the, the Dodgers, when they won the World Series, they went away from Kenley Jansen. Like, Bruce Dahl Gratterall was in there. Yeah. So this is a team that can afford that. But the, I'm with you, man. I think – and now, Blake Trinan, I think Blake Trinan is fantastic. He's been hurt all year. Uh, yeah. I think the one of the reasons Craig Kimbrell had trouble is there was no Blake Trinan there in the eighth inning to set, help – be that setup, man. He might just be the closer because he has great stuff. And Dustin May is ridiculous. If this guy is coming out of the bullpen, th th that guy moves the ball all over the place. So it is a luxury that this team has. And why is it a luxury? It's not a luxury because they bought it. It's a luxury that they pay money to have good scouts so then yeah. they can have great players that either come into the lineup or they use as trade chips. I mean, you look at this Dodger roster, there's a lot, there's homegrown talent on there. A lot of it. It's not a coincidence. No. I mean, I keep saying it. I mean, that's, 
your best, the best run teams are the ones that really ace in that area because you can't always go out and buy. These free agents aren't always good and they don't always turn out. So at some point you do have to develop your own and, and a team like a team like LA and a team like, you know, all the bigger market teams, you know, when they develop these players, it's not always for them to play on their team. It's to get good players from other teams. I, I always used to remember someone, I, I think it was one of our scouts always said, it's like, it's not how good we, not, it's not how we evaluate our, our talent, our develop, our uh, player development. It's how other teams evaluate them. Our, the worth, the value to one of our guys isn't what we think it is. It's what other teams are going to pay for willing to trade for it right so that's the other thing you know like i always hear people when they draft this guy or they develop that guy like well they already have a second baseman or they already yeah. have a center field they, you know you know what i mean like the, the, i guarantee you it'll never work out that way and trust me these are these are good problems if you're ever going to have them right yeah. so that's the thing if you're lacking if a team is lacking in a certain area and they have all this talent like like la does when they develop them will they just trade them for another star Solid player, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Alex Verdugo turned into Mookie Betts, right? Like that's, that's yeah. pretty good development, I mean, and and you know yeah. the list goes down. Not and listen, bad. they've missed on guys for sure. Um, they, you know, there's there's definitely they you know every team has misses, but you're exactly right. I, you know, and it goes into all sports. I mean, Craig Button famously tells tells a, a story on on tracking the draft with me about when they were in Dallas and they were like, yeah. Maybe we don't need Scott Gomez. We've had pretty good centers. And then Scott Gomez turned out pretty good, right? So you got to take, you know, whatever you think that best player is, whether you have a long jam at shortstop or not, because injuries happen, players move positions, you can trade chips. So I think that is a terrible way of building a, uh, a team. Um, you know, in fantasy, yeah, you can do that. But in real life, yeah. you got to just take uh, certainly the best players. So we talked about uh, Dusty Baker, uh, and it's still 4 nothing uh, Mariners, by the way, in the bottom of the third, uh, still 7-3 Phillies over Atlanta. A guy managing by feel. Unfortunately, we saw kind of maybe the opposite on the weekend. I'll, I'll get your thoughts on it. But we saw the same thing in 2010. You know, I love that the Dodgers won the World Series in 2010. Uh, but Kevin Cash has to wear some of it because he took Blake Snell out when Blake Snell was absolutely dominating the Dodgers. And it was it was yeah. unthinkable. Did we see the same thing happen last weekend? And and is this where you, I, I don't know if it was you that talked about it, that managers want to manage and not be ruled by the book? Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you, I, that's such a great uh, thing you brought up there. So, because, you know, since you're a big time Dodger fan, you should have th sent a thank you card to Kevin Cash that day. <laughs> totally. Seriously, seriously, I appreciate you making this so much easier. Like, I don't, un that one to me, I'm not a, a big second guesser because I understand what's going on. Like I, I, I not a right away. It took a long, a few years to figure out like, okay, these are how they make these decisions. But the guy was, he wasn't even struggling. Um, Snell, he wasn't, when you get to a point and let's say you've had these innings where you keep getting out of jams, but you keep getting lucky. You keep doing it. You get out of jams, you get out of jams. You're, you're going deep in the counts. You're going, you're throwing a lot of pitches. You're starting to get a little bit of wear and tear. And like, that I totally understand, but they weren't, there was nothing of the sort. They were touching. You know what I mean? Yeah. They weren't even, it, there was no, there was no hard work innings. There was no hard labor. It was not, literally, those were the games where you can sit, honestly, you can sit back and just enjoy it. Just sit back and let Snell, this is going to be Snell's game, win or lose, let's go. Now, I'll say this. If he, he goes by the book in that case, all right, fine. Okay. Mookie Betts is coming up. Well, then, if you're going to take Snell out, 
you have to, and this is enough for discussion for me, you have to then bring in that mayor, that you better have that Rivera guy on your thing right now, because that's the guy who's coming in, because they have to be better than the guy you brought in. So you're basically saying, this World Series right now, the World Series now riding on their seventh inning guy to face Mookie Betts. Now, could Mookie Betts got a double off Snell? Of course, sure. right? Mookie Betts can do that against anybody. That's why Mookie Betts is one of the best players in the world. So that's okay. But if you're going to lose that game, that pivotal game six World Series, everything on the line, everything you worked out for, it better be done by Snell or your Mary, whoever your Mariana Rivera is. No, there's no discussion otherwise. I'm sorry. I, most times I'll be like, yeah, let me hear your, hear your, I don't have one on that one. That one's a full, like, so anyway, so back to the Blue Jay game, what happened on Saturday. I mean, look, it's easy to second guess. It's easy to do that. It's easy to do this. I would say this when he took, when, when Schneider took Gossman out, I was just shaking my head. I'm like, no, don't not, no, don't do it now. Right. If, you know, it's like a horror movie, right? Guy... You know those horror movies? You're like, don't yeah, go near yeah. the shed. Don't. Th- yeah. He's right behind you. It's it's that sort of thing yeah. that, that you're thinking. Totally, totally. And look, if Mesa, th- you know, gets on the pop up and he gets out of the, no one says. Everyone's like, oh, what a great, what a great move, right? Gutsy move or whatever mm-hmm. that is. But even if that happened, even if Mesa comes in and he gets the out, I'm still shaking. I'm still shaking my head because it to me. If it was the other way around, let's say Gosman got the first two guys out because there were two outs. Let's say he got the first two out and then walked a batter or hit a batter or went deep or a batter had this really great at bat where there's like 10 pitches or, you know, foul ball after foul ball, blah, blah, blah. And then the bases were loaded. And then that situation came up. All right. That's a bit different. But it was the exact opposite of that. Right. It was the exact opposite. The guys got on the beginning and he was rolling. Gosman was rolling. And, and everyone always says, like, you know, he's your hundred million dollar guy that is your guy so if you're going to lose that game right you have to ask yourself and it's easier for us to say right now right you have sure. to ask yourself as the manager and say if i'm going to lose if i'm somehow going to lose this game this eight to one game or whatever i better i i'm going to go to sleep tonight knowing i lost it with gossman who's the proven guy who's the stud who's their horse who's their most reliable guy right i don't want to lose it with Mesa. i don't want to lose it with him i don't want to lose it with anybody else so Back to the point. I'm glad. That's why I'm glad you brought up the Snell situation, because if you're to take Gosman on that situation, in that situation, the next guy you bring in, it doesn't have to be Romano per se, but it's going to be a guy where you we're all watching at home going, oh yeah, like oh yeah, he's he's automatic. Yeah, I don't care if it's the sixth inning. You're bringing in your ninth inning guy. If you were to use someone like a Romano, even right, if you had that guy, which I don't know if they do, but if they did, I'm bringing my. Let's say they had an eighth inning guy. Then bring that guy because they don't Garcia. Sure. Then you got to go. Then you got to do that at that moment. Otherwise you can't take Gossman out. That's my only thing with that. Yeah. Like, and listen, I'm watching that and I'm thinking, wow, that's weird. Not once in that moment did I think of Blake Snell. You know why? Because it was eight one. Like it was was eight to one. So even though he made that decision, it's it's yeah. like it's like uh, the Cubs and uh, Bartman, right? They still blew it. They still had a chance after that. So even Boy. though he made that decision, John Schneider made that decision. I'm still thinking it shouldn't matter. It's eight to one. Like, and then I know yeah. other things happen, and then obviously the collision. And and like we said in our emails, it was like watching a slow car crash that you're you're not involved in, but you're right there, right? It was weird. And those 
weird coincidental like coincidental like you know situations where a guy hits it to the only spot in that Bermuda Triangle where you're not going to be like it, everything happens for a reason after that it's yeah. it's that it's the baseball god saying like you you had your chance man like that was the mo- that that instance in that game when they took Gossman out that was their game that was the game even though it's eight to one you don't feel that way at the time but that's the crucial part that is the part you have to you got to get out of that and you get out of that Seattle might go all right well that's right. <laughs> they start thinking about game three. All right. Well, you know, they got out of that and we're in the six. Okay, fine. But because that get, you just give them that extra breath, that extra, like, th- mm. if once you get, again, that mindset, you get into the thought, we're like, oh, yeah, we got them now. What that can do, it's, it, there's no amount of money that can pay for them to have that feeling of knowing that you got them and, and the other way around. And then for yeah. the Blue Jays to think the opposite. So they're, they, then I mean, they think they're unbeatable, right? Yeah. I just, again, if you're going to take Gossman out and he was rolling, like it wasn't, like I said, he didn't start, he started bad and ended and ended strong. Mm. If you're going to take Gossman out, you better be sure the next guy has to be better than Gossman has to be. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I get it. Factually, you're going to be better the third time around uh, against the order, but. I, I only go by that if I see my pitcher like and and unfortunately managers don't have the little fatigue bar that they have in video games that tells you you know the percentage <laughs> left of your pitcher but you got to yeah. know this guy's dealing and he should still be out there even though it's the third time uh, facing these guys uh, so yeah. here here's the other interesting thing that happens is, is happening in baseball and and it's in in all response to the Houston Astros, and by the way, Jim Crane still thinks they're okay. I don't think it taints it. He still doesn't think that what they did taints uh, their World Series. But how pitchers are getting their signals has changed. I mean, we know the one, two, the d- signals. We know the sign stealing, all that stuff that went on. So this is bizarre. Pitch calm now. A button. So uh, uh, I don't know if it's relayed to the catcher. Then he pushes a button. Then it's relayed to the pitcher. But Chris Bassett couldn't hear it. Like the other night from the Mets, yeah. he couldn't hear it. So this has gone so high tech. Like I was watching with my father-in-law and, and my wife's uncle. And they're like, what is going on here? I'm like, he doesn't know what pitch to throw. And they're like, why don't they use the hand signal? So then I was explaining to him. But this all goes back to the Astros. And it's not every team is using it, I don't think. But it's, it's bizarre and good in some ways. But also it has its technological drawbacks. Look, I mean, there's people in these positions that know a lot more than I do. I just can't imagine you're going to add an, an extra element to the most important part of the, your season. Like, why would you give a pitcher something else to worry about outside of the nine guys that he has to face in that lineup? Like, don't you think that's hard enough? Like, going out there and pitching in the postseason against the San Diego Padres, to me, would be enough. And now, you're, I, I love technology. I'm, I love tech more than, you know, just about as much as anybody. But not 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 today not now not like don't get it's another distraction the last thing you need is another distraction you're now not focusing on what you're supposed to do and you just get the batters out which he's more than capable of doing right so you know i'm not a fan of that at that moment um spring training go nuts regular season sure figure it out but look it failed them it, it really did and i don't like it there i don't i just think I it's I, yeah it's weird it is. It is weird. Sign stealing has been part of has been part of baseball yes. forever, forever. And I I always heard the coaches say, well, if they're taking if they're stealing our signs, we're not doing a good enough job of hiding them, right? This Astros took it to another level, as we all know. Yeah. We can, we'll talk about that another. That's been like you know, 
Um, we all know what they did. They took it to a completely mm-hmm. they Major League Baseball basically set them up to do that. Major League, it's, I actually blame a little bit of Major League Baseball. You always have to blame the Astros. They're the ones that of did course, it, so you yeah. can't. But MLB kind of put it in their face. They kind of waved it in front and said, "Hey, we're going to give you extra. We're going to give you extra cameras and extra machine, extra computers, extra." As soon as you start giving those guys extra um, ways to pick up pitches and to do this, they're going to take full advantage. What is the honor system? Yeah. And and do you think that like other teams aren't doing something? Of course they are. It's just they're not hitting trash cans and putting buzz and wearing buzzers. That's well, you know that, what I mean. Yeah, so, that's the thing. Major yeah. League Baseball said, "Here's yeah. a computer." They didn't say, "Here's a trash yeah. can." But but they, it, right. they it's it's the same as in the late '90s. They looked the other way. Yeah. They rode yeah. the home run race to back to popularity. Yeah. Then you know through the book at you know it's it, it's major. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think you know technology yeah. is great, but. You know, obviously, it it you know the the Astros deserve ninety five percent of that blame the the fact that they engineered it. But you're right, sign stealing has been in the game, and I just think this the you know there's there's some things that get out a little out of hand. Now, I'm not sure what you thought about Buck Showalter asking about uh, the the ears of Joe Musgrove. Uh, for me, I thought what Joe Musgrove did after was totally warranted. He you know gave it to the Mets and gave it to the crowd. I also thought what Buck Showalter did was fine. It's allowed in the rules. You're trying to knock a guy. And you know what I compared it to? The Montreal Canadiens calling the illegal stick on Marty McSorley in 93. And it cost the Kings pretty much the Stanley Cup. So I know people had a problem with Buck Showalter uh, basically saying, I think he's cheating, but it's part of the game. He's allowed to do it. I have no problem with it. Where do you stand? Dean, I'm with you. I know I don't, I'm, I want to be like, and this is what, um, we're going to be discuss. We're going to be uh, doing on what's your call sports next week. We can get into that later, but um, you know, I want to. I want to have a definite opinion as opposed to you know going um, each way. I I I agree with you. That's what I said. I I see it both sides. I I um, I, I totally see why Musgrove would, would be doing that, and I totally see why Showalter did what he did. Um, to me, it just kind of smelled. It smelled like desperation. Sure. You know what I mean? It was. He yeah, was desperate it was, though. He was desperate and it wasn't just for fun. He had reason to do it in his mind. He definitely had reason to do it. Um, would he have done that in a regular season game? No. With the same information, he would not have. Um, I don't think so. I mean, who do I, who, who I might say, it. but I don't think he would have. I, right. He, he, he saw it was coming to an end. He, he felt like, you know, I only have one shot to do this and I think it's actually legit. And if he did see him going to his ear a lot, then, you know, well, what? They, they, weren't glossy, like they were shiny. Yeah. And everybody, yeah. people, like, I mean, people yeah. were talking about it on social media starting in the second yeah. inning. So somebody from the Mets is probably like, he's got something on there. So I, I, I think it was fine. And you're right. Buck yeah. Walter said after, he said, I don't care what people think. I did it for my team and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, I think Joe's a yeah. great player. And, you know, we just, we used it. I, honestly, I don't think Buck thought he was going to win any of that challenge. I think he did, did it just to try and disrupt him. Didn't work, but he tried. It's like a court you talk, bat or something. Yeah, yeah exactly right. You, you actually now just talked me into now I'm okay. I'm I'm perfectly okay with it <laughs> because it was obvious. Because yeah. I'm always a fan. It has to be it has to be something that you can see too. Do you know what? I, like yeah. for people at home, it has to be so obvious that you have to call it. They're basically forcing you to. Like there were other. There's been other players and other pitchers in the past. I can't remember the pitcher from the Yankees who got he got called on it. Um, not Severino. It was another guy. Um, his name is slipping my mind now, but he got pulled. He got thrown out of the game. 
He, umpires came over. They saw he had something, and, they, and even the pitcher was like, "Yep, you got me," because it was so obvious, yeah. right? Those ones, and if and his his ear was shiny, like then yeah. if if you and I can see it, then why shouldn't Showalter do it? So I'm you, you talk to me, and now I'm going full on the Showalter side of it. All right, yeah. well that's good. So. Right yeah. So let's get yeah. into what's your call sports and, and what you guys have going on. Obviously, people can follow on Twitter at WYC Sports. And, you know, what we do here, what everybody does around the water cooler is, is kind of what you guys want to do. 100%. I mean, that's basically what we, you know, we were talking about today. Everything everything in there, should you take, should the pitcher come out of the game? Who would you put in? Like, you know, what's your call? It's It's basically, we want to put you into either the perspective of the umpire or put you in the perspective of the manager right and say like you know if it's so easy what would be your call right let's see how you would do and one day would love to be able to do it in real time so that you can actually see how difficult it is right um so this week we're going to do so we come out with a video every thursday and this thursday is going to be top five controversial playoff moments right and there's so many you can choose from we're going to lead off with the musgrove one um as a controversial kind of moment or situation in a playoff game Dean, give me off the top of your head. Is there one that you um, that you can think of in a in a playoff game? It has to be a playoff game. Um, well, I kind of geez. put you on the spot there, but yeah, but uh, there are no, few. But like the uh, um, I'm trying to think of uh, this is a play a couple of years ago you, at, at you first base. You said the Bartman one, like. Earlier in yeah. earlier on in our conversation, you said the the Bartman one. I mean, it was a controversial moment. Yeah. Right. So something like something along those lines. That's what we're kind of trying to go for. Is there one that you had in, in mind um, that um, you can remember that? Not really off the top. Uh, other than yeah. I'm trying to think of the guy who slid through at second base a couple of years ago. I thought he played for the Braves, oh. and, and that was uh, that was kind of controversial, or maybe it wasn't the Braves. It maybe it involved the Bla- Braves. I'm not sure. And but then, and then you have the famous Jeffrey Mayer um, in the New York Yankees Derek Jeter home run against Baltimore. Yeah. When he literally reached over the seat. And they have a right field umpire at the same time. Like for the playoff games, they have outfield umpires for those right. exact reasons. And yet they still made it. They still got it wrong. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. They still got uh, it. It's those, so that's what our, that's what our video is going to be. It's going to be that our, our top five, but we want you Dean and we want whoever to give us your top five. What are your, right. if, or if we missed, or if you agree, or if you, if we missed something, if there's something that said like, you can remember a moment from your favorite team that this cost you in your mind, you think it cost you the game. It was in the playoffs and controversial. We want you to share that with us. So that's All what, right. that's what we're going to be doing this Thursday. I'm going to share this with you right now. The Braves have scored three in the ninth. Now <laughs> it's seven, okay. six, two outs. Okay. Somebody just made a miraculous catch. Chapman hit a three-run home run. Somebody just made an incredible catch for the Phillies. I just caught it out of the corner of my eye. And the Astros, uh, Crawford just hit a solo home run. They're up 5-2. So baseball continues to deliver awesome moments, and I can't wait to jump on in the the debate for uh, What's Your Call Sports, uh, top five most controversial plays. People can find it at at WY Sports on Twitter. Uh, and they can join the fun conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, everyone's opinion is welcome. We want to hear from all from everybody, definitely. That's what makes it grow. Beautiful. Uh, all right, uh, next Tuesday we'll see where these series have gone and uh, see what happens for the championship series as this exciting run to the World Series continues. Thanks as always, Eric. Oh, it's my pleasure, Dean. Thanks so much.
You betcha. That, oh, I cut him off a little bit. Uh, there's Eric Grossman from uh, What's Your Call Sports on Twitter at WYC Sports. Fun debates, uh, and we do it all the time. We do it with each other. Uh, we do it with uh, coworkers. Uh, and the Phillies did get it done. The Phillies have won. Uh, so there you go. The upstart Phillies hold off the defending champion Braves. They were up 7-3 at one point, finishes 7-6. We'll see what kind of comeback the Astros uh, can mount against uh, the Mariners. The Astros are leading that one 5-2. to two. All right, uh, give me just one second, uh, maybe 30 seconds. I'll get Derek Van Dees set up, and we'll get into some hockey talk because the NHL season gets underway in North America tonight. Just about uh, 5 o'clock in uh, the east, uh, 3 o'clock in the mountain time zone where I am located watching playoff baseball. The Phillies holding off the Braves 7-6. The Mariners up 5-2 on the Astros. Still to come, the Guardians and uh, the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Padres. Little brother versus big brother in uh, California. Uh, you know, the, the Dodgers-Padre rivalry is uh, pretty good. Uh, I grew up with the uh, Oilers-Flames rivalry, which I think is the best one. And I know my next guest, Derek Van Deest, uh, loves watching those games, uh, covering those games uh, with Post Media and NHL.com. And DVD, it looked like that rivalry was going to be dead uh, in the water this summer when the Flames were going through their problems. Thanks to Bradtree Living, we will have it again. Are these the top two teams in the Pacific Division in your mind, or do you think somebody like Vegas or Vancouver or somebody else can sneak in there? I, I, yeah, I think that they're the two teams. Uh, without doubt, going into the season, I think there's an issue where um, you, you're waiting to see uh, Calgary, they lost the two of their best players and they've replaced them. And, and you're right, uh, Brad Treadley did a great job of replacing those players and keeping the, the standard high. And then you have Brent Sutter there, sorry, um, Daryl Sutter uh, in Calgary that, of course, gets the most of his players. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. They still have good goaltending, they have defense. It's just a matter of how many goals can they score. Will they have to beat everyone 2-1 uh, and things like that. So can they score goals? But I think defensively and goaltending, they're pretty solid. So uh, they're, 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 I think they're still going to be a really solid team. And, of course, you have the Oilers who, who really kind of loaded up. And, and you look at the roster that went to Game 4 of the Western Conference Final, and um, this one looks even better. Uh, obviously, they, they've shot up their goaltending. They got some defensive help, and they got some, uh, a bit of injection of, of Jane Youth in Dylan Holloway. So I think the Oilers, to be honest, will run away with the division. I, I don't know. They'll be challenged, everything together, and play as well as they're expected. Um, I think 
they'll run away with it. But it'll be interesting to see where Calgary and Vancouver slots in. I'd like to see how much gas uh, um, has in the tank. Almost they went all in uh, early on, and then uh, now we've got some of those veterans there that maybe get a little long in the tooth. To see how much they gas, and then you, I don't think you can discount the Los Angeles Kings and what they did last year and how much that playoff run just getting to Game Seven, first round, uh, does for a young team. Uh, to the following season. Uh, Duty, I'm just going to get you to just log out quickly and log right back in. We're just getting a bit of an audio jump. So if, if uh, you can do that just real quickly and we will get uh, right back to you, man. Uh, and then, sure, uh, no yeah, that, that would be great. We're just getting a little uh, uh, hiccup. So just, just quickly log out and log back in. It should uh, fix that. Um, and, and while we're waiting for that, I, I think some really good points. I mean, this is a, a an LA King team that almost upset the Oilers, who went to the the quarterfinal or the conference finals. So they're going to be a lot better. I think the Calgary Flames are actually improved uh, over last year. I think Huberto is going to make a bigger difference than Johnny Gaudreau uh, offensively and defensively. Um, so I, I really think that this Calgary team is better than they were last year. Um, with those additions and Mackenzie Weger, and I look at that Florida team, and and I don't think that they are as good, uh, nearly as good as uh, what they were last year, especially that blue line. So I think that's what's going to be um, what's going to make the Battle of Alberta better is that the Flames I think got better up front and and on the blue line, and obviously they were pretty good. I think they're going to be a little tougher to play against, and the goaltending for the Oilers is going to be much better. I mean Jack Campbell coming in. Uh, as the number one guy is is in, in my opinion a lot better uh, and and I think a lot better than the combination of Mike Smith and uh Koskinen. so uh I think so anyway um I think that uh it's it's going to be um a better flames team but I also think a better Oilers team because of that goaltending. We got DVD back now, and I was just saying, I think the Flames are actually better without Gaudreau, with Tuberto, with Mackenzie Weger, and I think the Oilers are are better as well. Even though they're, you know, you mentioned Dylan Holloway, but Jack Campbell, I just think is a much better option, and Stuart Skinner is going to push him. So, do you, if you had to pick which team improved over the offseason between the Oilers and Flames, what would you go with? Uh, well, I would good, I would go with the Oilers because the Oilers did not lose that type of offense that the Flames did. The, the, the Oilers, Flames have to replace that offense from Goudreau and Kachuk, and, and and as well as they did to bring those guys in. I don't think Huberto does does replace that offense, and I think they're they're still going to have some issues scoring goals as opposed to last season. What I do think, though, I think the Flames are a bit more of a playoff ready team than they were last year. The knock on Goudreau obviously was he's a, he's a perimeter player. He plays on the outside. When things get tough in the playoffs, he doesn't really go to the net. He doesn't go to the hard areas. Um, I think he had a, he had a couple of really good games in the playoffs, but I think that was one of the knocks on him. And I think now that the, the Flames have that team. They have that team that plays hard, goes to those areas, and, and will, will sacrifice to, to win games. And I think the Oilers, um, they know what it takes as well. And, and, and even their star players are willing to make those those commitments and willing to make that those sacrifices and they saw that that's what it takes to get to this uh, conference final and that's what it takes to get beyond a conference final so I think the owners didn't lose anything to me I think there was there was little subtraction when it comes to the owners and they just added I think Jack Campbell you're right it, that's a big piece because just 
just in the fact that, you know, if he stays healthy and he plays well, he gives them that solid goaltending. Uh, Mike Smith was up and down. Mike Smith can have great nights and had terrible nights. Uh, Mike Smith wasn't always healthy, so he couldn't have been relied on. So I think that was one of the issues with Mike Smith last year. And Miko Koskinen, we knew what he was. He was an average goaltender that every now and then had a pretty good game. So I think that was the situation with Miko Koskinen. But now you're right. They have two pretty good goaltenders. Stewart Skinner proved last year that he can play in this league, that he can push push your starting goaltender. Ken Holland said he wants to see a 50-30 game split, something like that, between the two of them. So he's not going to sit on the bench and just open the door all season. He's going to get his opportunity as well. And, and if he can push Jack Campbell, both of them, uh, I think it's going to help the Oilers a lot. So I think the Oilers' goaltending situation is as stable as it has been since maybe uh, Devin Dubnik was here uh, towards the end of the season, since maybe Dwayne Rolison was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been a while since it's been that stable, I think, for the Edmonton Oilers. I'm totally with you on that. I was talking about that the other day, is that uh, you know, I think Rolison, um, you know, that great playoff run, and then the next year was probably the, the last bit. And, you know, isn't it amazing? This is how it goes. Is uh, And you, you can read in Wayne Gretzky's autobiography about them walking past the dressing room against the Islanders and realizing, oh, it's not just easy to win a cup. And every team kind of goes through this evolution of, you know, having a bit of a run, realizing that we can't just be all fun and games and score 6,000 points and win. It takes a different kind of hockey. And, and it seems in no matter what the sport is, there's always that, that light bulb moment that goes on for each team. And maybe this is it for the Oilers. Well, you, you think about it. Look, look at the struggles and, and the frustration that the Avalanche went through yeah. in those playoff series. They lost a lot of playoff series before they won. And you have to go through that. You almost have to learn by that. It, it's very rare that a team doesn't have that adversity and goes on to win a championship. So you look at some of those championship teams, um, even back in the, in the Oilers' day, they lost to the Islanders and they had to realize, okay, this is what it takes to win. The Islanders were the same way back then when they lost to the Maple Leafs. This is what it takes to win. And, and so you see that. You saw that the evolution of the Colorado Avalanche went through that. Tampa Bay Lightning went through those frustrations. They lost in the first round of the Columbus Blue Jackets that one year where everyone thought, hey, they're going to roll over everyone in the East. So you have to go through those moments, and, and you learn from those moments, and you appreciate those moments. And I think it's important to learn from that. I think they learned a lot from the four-game sweep against the Winnipeg Jets. I think they learned a lot from the, the losing four games to the Chicago Blackhawks in the play-in tournament. Mm-hmm. And so I think they took those lessons. And, and they were, you know, it was, it was tight. They went to game seven in the first round. Had they lost to Los Angeles, that would have been another huge disappointment for the Edmonton Oilers. But they were able to get over that hump. They got over that hump. Then they beat Calgary. And I think um, it just, it's just a matter of now they just want to take that next step. They want to get back to the Western Conference final, and they want to challenge to get into the Stanley Cup final. And then from then, who knows what can happen. But you have to learn those lessons. And they're tough lessons to learn. And the only way you can do it is by experiencing them. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Yuri Gurriel has uh, hit a home run for the Astros. It's now 6-3. The Mariners leading that one in the bottom of the fourth. And and maybe the reason they were able to get past L.A. in that game seven is because of the the tough losses to Winnipeg and Chicago before that. And then, as you mentioned, like Nathan McKinnon. Remember Nathan McKinnon a couple of years ago at the podium? Like, he was pissed and mad and you could tell like I'm, I'm sick of this and then they they got over the hump and 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 that's what I look at I look at this western conference I still think it goes through the central division you still could have five teams from the central Colorado was great I think St. Louis is is 
it's just an excellent club every year. Nashville looks like they're coming along. I mean, do you th- do you think the the road to the final still ultimately um, is is the centrals to lose in the in the West? Well, I, I think they're, they're the toughest division. I think the, every night in and night out, they're going to have some tough games, and then they're going to they're going to be beating up on each other a lot this year. I think uh, the, the Pacific Division is not as tough. Uh, I think there's just a lot of teams that are still kind of in that rebuilding mode and, and still trying to develop some younger players. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. That Central Division is is a, is a tough division, and it's going to be it's going to be a war every night because you've got three or four teams that that are capable of winning that division. I think unlike the Pacific, which, which I think is the Oilers to lose, I, I think they, there's a lot of teams there that can make some noise and and and, and really uh, are kind of in that prime part of 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 their development where. Or they, they're, they're trying to get that window, uh, that winning window to open. I think St. Louis was there. It closed a little bit, but, you know, it, it's, they're trying to get it back. And I think that's what's going to make them such a, a strong team this season. So there's, there's going to be a lot of competitive teams in that Central Division. I agree with you. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's going to be really fun. And, and like, like, I look at the Oilers' schedule. And it's great. Like six. Uh, when have you ever seen a six-game homestand to start a season? It's great for the writers. You guys get you don't have to travel right, right away. Uh, but this is really huge for the Oilers in some winnable games. Like I was look, going through the schedule last night. I think the Oilers can win fifty-one games this year. I think they can get to fifty-one, and I think that would be enough to to win the Pacific. And you know we've seen this team get off to terrible starts. This is an opportunity yeah. to get off to a really great start at home for this team. Yeah, it's been added to them. It's it's six in a row to start the season, and I believe it's nine of the first twelve at home. Yeah. So you're looking you're looking at a chance, a real nice runway here. And and we've seen that the Oilers teams in the past that have been successful and made the playoffs, they get off to good starts. You get off to a good start, you kind of build that bank account, and and then if you have troubles throughout the year, if you have a little dip, then then you're able to survive them. I think the the problem comes when you don't get off to a good start, and then you're chasing the season all year. I think that's an issue, but you look at this this schedule, and if the Oilers come out, and, and if they can win five or six at home to start the road trip, and then they can win two more, they're in really good shape going forward, and I think that's what they're looking at, and I think that's why training camp was so important, because they get got to get off, and they got to start right away, and they, they know they can't squander these six games. They can't squander the nine of 12 games. They, they know that the back end of that schedule, it's going to be a little tougher. So you don't want to be chasing a playoff spot when you're playing most of your games on the road. So you want to make your hay early on in the season. And I think it's important to lay down a really, really good, solid 10, 15, 20 games, lay down a good foundation, and then go from there. Yeah, well, at least they're not starting in Europe uh, right off the season because I I think those ones are tough to get past. Uh, Speaking of Europe, you were just there, well, recently, uh, since the last time we talked, you were going to watch Canada uh, play in some friendlies. Uh, before we get to, you know, what you thought of the squad, the, the big story of is right now with Canada is Alfonso Davies. I'm just reading he's not going to play for Bayern Munich in their group league game on Wednesday. Uh, are there some pretty serious concerns uh, for the Canadian soccer team right now with his status? Uh, no, not really. He got kicked in the head uh, mm-hmm. in a league game on Saturday. Uh, it didn't look that bad. I think we, we, I saw the replay a couple of times. It looked like someone caught him just kind of under the, che- the cheek here, and it looked like he, he, he's got a bad bone bruise. Um, and, of course, obviously with the concussion situations going on in the NFL and in soccer, I think it's more for pre- precautionary reasons. They're going to keep him out. Make sure he's okay. Um, they did call it a skull bruise, so I don't know if you—I yeah. don't know how you bruise your skull. I, I, I don't know if that's possible, but but that's what they called it. So it was a, it was a pretty big it was a pretty good whack that he took on his face, 
and he bruised, he's bruised it up. But I think it's more precautionary reasons. And even the coaches at Byron said he'll be fine, uh, nothing to worry about. And obviously, you're, you're getting into this six-week window, five-week window leading into the World Cup. And these are really, really tough times for players that want to go play in the World Cup. And it's tough time for teams, too, because you don't want to put take your foot off the gas. You still have to play your league games. And you're playing league games all leading all the way up to like a week before the World Cup, which is a little different this time around because when the tournament is in the summer, you have about a month leading to the tournament, and teams have a month to kind of be together. So you have that time. But here, you only have about a week to prepare before you join your team and you play your games. Um, and so you don't want to have any kind of injury, any kind of knock, any kind of twist, any kind of anything going in there. So the, the good thing about it, though, is that this tournament will be held and the players will be in midseason form. So I think the, the quality and the standard of play will be incredibly high because usually in the summer it's at the end of a year, so you're either really tired from playing all year or you're a little rusty from taking a month off after your season. So I think the soccer in Qatar is going to be amazing. And it just you just kind of hope that – Everyone stays healthy and everyone stays fit uh, mm -hmm. by the time they get there. Did Canada impress you? Um, did they show you things maybe that uh, you weren't sure that they had in them? Or what, did you see anything different from them in their two games that you saw? Yeah, I think what I saw with Canada is, is they needed to play teams like Uruguay leading up to this tournament. And I think they'll, they'll be the first ones to tell you. They, they, they should have been playing you know, opposition like Uruguay three years before the tournament, not uh, six weeks before it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what it, what it showed is that they are capable of playing with those teams. They are capable of playing with some higher-end teams. Uh, but like anything else, you're not going to get better unless you play better opposition. So beating up on Curacao and playing Panama and playing Honduras and playing El Salvador and Guatemala, some of these teams in CONCACAF, just isn't going to cut it. It's going to help your record. It's going to make you look good. Uh, look, we can beat these teams, but you're not going to improve on the world stage unless you play these teams. And I think that's kind of a lesson that the, the Canadians know, they understand, but it's tough to get these games. So I think a, a good showing at the World Cup will, be a, will, will do wonders for this team because they'll be able to get those opponents, not necessarily your top-end, high-end opponents, but you'll be able to get your two-tier, second-tier European opponents, your second-tier South American opponents. And, and you're going to improve in doing that way. But I think Canada, if anything, they showed that they can play with those teams. They, 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 they belong in the same field as those teams. And if the ball is rolling their way, who knows? Uh, they could get a good result in, in Qatar. But as I talked to John Herdman about it, he goes, let's start by scoring a goal, then let's worry about winning a game or getting a point, worry about winning a game, and then worry about getting out of the group. We can't put the, the cart in front of the horse. It's one step at a time for this, this soccer team. All right, well, last time we chatted with you, uh, Dak Prescott was injured. You were heading overseas, and you were like, just the Cowboys just have to play 500. They're 4-1. They're and one. Like, they, they haven't lost. I mean, this is bizarre. And listen, I, I don't think anybody out there is saying uh, Cooper Rush is the reason, but he did keep this team afloat. Dak can come back. The defense is looking good. you got to be pretty happy. Oh, I'm delighted. You have to be delighted. They're 4-0 they're without Dak in the, in the lineup. And I think what happens, and we see this in sports sometimes, is when your star player goes down, other players pick up their game. Other players know that they have to pick up their game. They have to add a little more. And then if everyone adds a little more, then hopefully you can make up the difference. And, and Cooper Rush is doing the things that he's not doing anything outside of his realm. They're not asking him to do anything he's not capable of. He's not making mistakes with the football. He's protecting the football. And he's making some, some quality throws. You know, he's making some good throws, some good reads on, on third down. But basically, he's not. You can't be the guy that loses the game for the Cowboys, and I think that's right now is what he's doing. I think he's playing well. He's not necessarily the reason they're winning. I think defensively, they're playing a lot better. 
Uh, they're running the ball a lot better. The offensive line is playing a lot better. So there's a lot of factors that go in there. But Cooper Rush, like I said, just play 500, and when they get back, they'll be in good shape. And I, I don't think anyone expected them to go 4-0 uh, without Dak Prescott in the lineup. So when he comes back, the, the Cowboys are going to be in really good shape. And also because everyone else raised the standard of their play, mm-hmm. and then if he comes back and that standard stays high, then I think the Cowboys could, could make some noise uh, heading towards the playoffs. Yeah, and Michael Gallup, uh, it's just a, it's a, it's a good situation. They're getting healthy and, and uh, looking pretty good. All right, my man, this has been fun. Uh, the season starts tonight in North America, starts tomorrow uh, for the Oilers and you guys. Uh, so uh, looking forward to uh, hopefully getting down there and uh, being around. And uh, I hope you like steak because I got some uh, really nice uh, GCs from Acme Meats, one of the best butcher shops in Edmonton to lay on you. So thanks, as always, uh, for joining me, DVD, and enjoy the game tomorrow night. Sounds good. Appreciate that, Dean. Thanks for having me on. You betcha. There's Derek Van Deest of uh, Post Media and NHL.com. And, yeah, guests of uh, some guests of the show in the local area receive uh, gift certificates from Acme Meats. Uh, we got uh, a turkey. We got half a turkey for Thanksgiving and another half we saved for Christmas uh, from Acme. Uh, Corey Meyer, part of uh, Canada's uh, World uh, International Butcher Team at the uh, the the international butcher world championships uh, so you you know our butcher is a superstar in the canadian team and their steaks are just out of this world uh we had a ribeye the other night oh man so good and whatever else you need acme meets in the richie neighborhood of edmonton uh so uh local guests of that appear on this show uh get delicious steaks so don't you wish you were appearing on this show to grab something from acme meets Mm, now I'm hungry. Now, how much longer do I have on this show? I'm, I'm really hungry. I want to get into it. All right, uh, I'm going to get into our Dauber Hockey preview. Uh, we've got a double shot. The Lightning, the Leafs, then my fearless predictions, and top-scoring defenseman predictions. So all of that in the final 40 minutes of the show. Plus, any questions you have, drop them in Twitch. We'll chat about it. And more. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports.
righty, it is uh, 520, just about 525 in the East. My name is Dean Millard. Thank you very much for being a part of Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily, coming to you uh, from the marsh just outside of Edmonton, where the Oilers will host the Canucks tomorrow night in NHL action at Rogers Place. Uh, right now, uh, should get you uh, up to date on uh, what is going on. In Major League Baseball, as we uh, had just finished chatting with Derek Van Deest of NHL.com and Post Media, we also heard from Eric Grossman earlier in the show. He is with What You Call Sports, formerly 15 years with the Blue Jays as an executive in their communications department. If you missed any of that, check it out on YouTube. Later today, it'll be uploaded Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network on YouTube, and you can also search Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network wherever you download podcasts, and you can get it in audio format. So this is what happened earlier today. The Phillies shocked the Braves. Maybe it shouldn't be a shock, though, because they did take out the Cardinals. Now, the Braves made it interesting. Matt Chapman hit a three-run home run in the ninth, uh, but the Phillies held on for a 7-6 victory uh, to lead that best-of-five series 1-0. The other series underway right now is the Yankees and the, or the, sorry, the Astros and the Mariners. And this one has the Mariners leading 6-3. They jumped out to a 4-0 lead, uh, the Astros have clawed back a little bit. Yuli Gurriel hit a uh, home run uh, to get them back in it. Also, still to come tonight, it's the Guardians and the Yankees, Cal Quantrill, Garrett Cole. Pretty good pitching matchup. And then after that, it's the Dodgers and the Padres. Little brother, big brother in California, Yulio Urias, uh, who won 20 games last year up against Mike Clevenger. Righty versus lefty. Uh, the Padres are a good left-hitting team uh, when they face a left-handed pitcher. So, listen, I'm a Dodger fan, and I still think that this is going to be a tough series uh, for the L.A. Dodgers to win. They will not have Craig Kimbrell. They left him off the NLDS roster. So just like that, Craig Kimbrell is off. Um, I'm going to guess Bruce Dar Gradrall is going to end up doing some closing duties. All right, uh, never do you get out of uh, a week in fantasy football without some injuries. And here are some injuries as of note to be paying attention to. Russell Wilson is playing with a partial torn lat, but he's going to play through. Not very effectively, unfortunately. Rashad Penny's season is over, a broken fibula. Uh, Damian Harris, uh, another running back, has a hamstring injury, uh, but you should be having Ramondre Stevenson as your running back if you have anybody from New England. Harris won't play this week, and that's obviously why Stevenson was such a big waiver claim and the fact that he lit it up. Baker Mayfield has a high ankle sprain and won't play uh, for the Panthers and Chris Olave uh, from New Orleans. Don't know what his status is heading into the weekend Uh, But he has a concussion. Uh, So I'm going to guess he's not going to play because I think the NFL is going to be pretty strict uh, when it comes to concussion. So if you have one of those guys on your roster, you might want to be looking at one of these guys 
to get on your roster. These are some week six uh, waiver wire targets. And Ken Walker, uh, just because we told you about Rashad Penny, he's going to go way up. He might already be gone, uh, but he's a running back number one in Seattle. And he was on the waiver wire for a while or uh, a target for a while. Only uh, 48.8%. I'm going to guess that's a lot higher now that the news of Rashad Penny is out. But if you're in a league where not everybody pays attention, you might still be able to get uh, Ken Walker the third. Uh, Jacoby Myers from New England. He's a wide receiver in name only. I'm still not going near anybody really in, uh, in New England. 58.3%. Myers is okay if you have a quarterback, but... Yeah. Brian Robinson Jr. should not be available in your leagues. This guy was shot um, and was talked about coming back. He's an RB2 right now. That will change to an RB1 in Washington. 53.4% he is owned. And Michael Gallup, this is a guy that we said before the season, we did a grab and stash. We just talked to Derek Van Deese, who's a big Cowboys fan. Michael Gallup should have already been on your roster as a wide receiver if you had room. He's going to be a wide receiver too. Uh, on on the other side in um, Dallas. And he's only owned by 51.1% of the rosters. So how about those Cowboys and what they've been doing without Dak Prescott? C.D. Lamb... Michael Gallup. They said goodbye to Amari Cooper. And you're riding a lot of Zeke. And Michael Gallup should be already on your roster, as we told if you. If you paid attention to, to uh, this show by any means. And Geno Smith. Nick TVIP brought it up yesterday about Geno Smith being one of the most underrated players in the league. He is with Seattle. And he is underrated. He's a QB one right now, uh, and well, he's he's and he's playing, putting up. Now, this is the thing you have to worry about with a guy like Geno Smith. The bubble is going to burst at some point, but right now he's only owned by thirty four point three percent because I think a lot of people are thinking the bubble is going to burst. And if you want to make a bet on something this weekend, make sure you do it responsibly. Head to at Duck Millard on Twitter. Use the link in my bio, and you can get a 125% bonus to bet on sports. Just go to at Duck Millard on Twitter, click the link in my bio, and then boom, you're in there. You get the 125% bonus to bet on sports. So let's get to our NHL team previews brought to you by Dauber Hockey. We're starting off with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's the Leafs and the Lightning today. And, and I mean, both of these teams are, in my mind, easy in the playoffs. And they also provide really good fantasy value beyond just the three players, uh, star players, that we have listed here. Austin Matthews, you know, I think he's going to get, you'll see my predictions later on, but I think he's going to get into the 60s again. Uh, I think Mitch Marner is going to come really close to 100 points this year. And I think Morgan Riley is going to deliver on the back end with a, you know, a 65 to 70 point season. So again, lots of value there. 
But don't forget, John Tavares, William Nylander, TJ Brody. As long as you're not in a contract league, his contract isn't great. Uh, you know, he, you know, Rasmus Sandin. What is Rasmus Sandin going to do? That's my breakout player. I think Rasmus Sandin is going to end up taking over the power play time that TJ Brody used to get. And so don't be counting on TJ Brody uh, if you are uh, looking at playing time unless there's something going wrong with Rasmus Sandin. Uh, Michael Bunting is going to get an opportunity on that top line. Nick Robertson is a second-line guy. I mean, the, the, the Leafs could have four double-digit scoring wingers on uh, each side. So there is certainly fantasy value, and my sleeper is Matt Murray. This is a good Leafs team. He's going to get wins. He didn't just forget how to play. He's had some rough patches. But I do think if people can just let this guy settle in, it could be really good. Here is what... Um, oh, that's... Uh, sorry, I had the... I got to get uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs queued up from Dauber Hockey because I had... Uh, the Lightning up there. So this is the roster that uh, the Toronto Blue or Toronto Blue Jays, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, so there's the depth chart from uh, Daily Faceoff. But we will get the Toronto Maple Leafs Dauber Hockey projections as far as their lineup in uh, just a second, and then we will get the Lightning. I did this in the wrong order, unfortunately. Bad. Uh, host mistake uh, not listening to the producer and I went the Leafs first and we should have went lightning alphabetical order but Toronto's always got to go first so anyway here's the Leafs roster when it comes to what Dauber Hockey is looking at and I'm telling you there's there's offense everywhere even Jake Muzzin might get 10 goals I don't think Mark Giovanno's getting 10 goals but this is, this is, there's a ton of offense. There is a ton of fantasy value on the Leafs. And in real life, they should be a playoff team as well. So if you're in a league that dips into the playoffs like UFHL, then you want to have some Leafs on your roster. I mean, there's not many third lines in the NHL that can get you between 13 and 18 goals apiece. So scoring has never been the problem, and uh, load up on Leafs. Can't believe I just said that. The other team that we're doing today is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, man, has it been a good run for the Lightning. Three straight years in the final, two cups to go along with it. $18 million over the cap. Life is good in FLA. And again, this is another team where you're looking at and you're finding fantasy value in a lot of places. Nikita Kucherov uh, is the one guy. Now, I will preface, I'm, I'm not big on Tampa this year. I think Tampa's played a lot of hockey. I think Vasilevsky is going to take back a step back. I think Hedman will take a step back. And I think Stamkos will take a step back. I think guys like Point and Kucherov, who didn't play a lot of hockey, should be okay. 
but still, I think Kucherov, Stamkos, and Hedman are the three guys on this team that are going to be the the point leaders. I think Kucherov's in for a massive season. And I don't just say that because I have him uh, for Duckman's domination. Uh, but you know, I think you're 40-plus goals. Uh, Stamkos, if he can get it going, and a full season of Kucherov might get close to 50 again. I don't know. But Anthony Sorelli, when he gets back, is going to be big. Point, Hagel. Like, Brandon Hagel is my breakout player. If he gets 20 goals, that's a breakout. And Pat Maroon, the guy that just never stops, the big rig, fills out all kinds of categories. That's my sleeper for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Pat Maroon has a lot of hits, has a lot of penalty minutes, might be able to get you 10 to 12 goals and and maybe 25 points. But if you need some depth, a team that plays a lot, I would go with Patrick Maroon. Here's what the Lightning are looking at. Alex Kalorn, Stamkos, and Kucherov. It's a good first line. Remember, they lost Palat in the offseason. Um, Point, Sorelli, and Brandon Hagel. And I still think there's more to Vlad Nemestikov. I think Corey Perry uh, is going to be uh, interesting. And Nick Paul. Can Nick Paul... He had 14 goals in 21 games last year when he got traded. Can he get to 20 to 25 goals? You know, look at their fourth-line center uh, with these projections. 10 goals from Pierre-Edouard Belmar. I'd like that because uh, we have him on a cheap contract. So this is the predictions, the lines for the Tampa Bay Lightning. What do you think? Do you think the Lightning will regress? Tony says... I would hope they make the playoffs. Yeah, talking about the Leafs probably. The Leafs and Tampa are making the playoffs. But he says Tampa has to be tired. And I, and I think so too. I would stay away from most Tampa. Listen, if, if Steven Stamkos is there late or something, it's, it's ridiculous. Go for it. But I'm going to guess people are still going to think Tampa's going to go on another run. And they might. I'd love to be wrong because they're a fun team to watch. And I want Kucherov to light it up. But that's a lot of hockey, man. It is a lot of hockey. And Father Time is undefeated. It just is. All right. Uh, yesterday, my good friend Larry Fisher joined me on the show and made his fearless predictions. Well, we couldn't let Larry have all the fun. So here I present my fearless predictions. And some of them are going to be the same as Larry because... We are very much alike uh, from the position we played, from the day we were born. Uh, there's a lot of things about Larry and I uh, where we're similar, uh, similarities. So there are going to be some similarities between some of his picks. And I don't know, I, I, I think if you're picking anybody other than Connor McDavid to win the Hart Trophy, I think you're doing it to get attention. I'm sorry. I, I still think, you know, if, if everything is healthy, if everybody is healthy, Connor McDavid wins the heart again and wins the Art Ross in the process. I think he's going to be, um, you know, 130-plus points. I think he's going to get 50 goals. And I think the gap between him and anybody else that has a lot more goals uh, between the gap of points. So I think I've got McDavid winning the double, uh, the Hart Trophy, and the Art Ross. Here's my twist on the Rocket Richard. 
It's a tie. Remember when Rick Nash and Jerome Aginla tied? I think there might have been somebody else, maybe uh, Kovalev or Kovalchuk, maybe. Uh, they all tied for the Rocket Richard. I have Austin Matthews and Leon Dreisaitl both scoring 62 goals. So there's my predictions for the Rocket Richard trophy. Uh, this one's going to be boring. It's Kale McCarr. And again, I think if you have anybody else, I think John Klingberg can be contending, but I think this is Kale McCarr's trophy to lose for the next five to seven years. This is where I'm a little bit different. I have J- William Eklund winning the Calder trophy. Uh, yes, he did get sent down uh, to the Barracuda. I think it's only a matter of time. I think he will get back up shortly. And it's a new coach in San Jose. David Quinn wants to... I guess force everybody to, or make, let everybody earn it. And maybe Eklund didn't have a great camp. I'm not sure. Uh, but he was good in nine games last year. And we'll see what uh, the baby face can do this season. Again, I'm going different when it comes to the Vesna. A lot of people still have Vasilevsky. I still think there's going to be a regression from uh, Andre Vasilevsky. And I'm going with Igor. I just love that name, Igor. And Shesterkin, I would be taking him first uh, when it comes to goalies in fantasy hockey this year. I think he's going to win the Vezda. I think he's going to be excellent. And you'll see why I like the Rangers as we go. Oh, there's Gerard Gallant, uh, Jack Adams winner. Uh, I don't still, you know, I I, I know that um, Kelly McCrimmon wanted a little bit more defensive coach in uh, Bruce Cassidy, but I still thought Gerard Gallant was a great coach and is a great coach, and I think the Rangers are going to be really good this year. So uh, I'm going with uh, Gerard, who was just a beast when he played. You did not want to get in the corners with Gerard Gallant. Uh, I remember playing Strato. Him and Pat Verbeek always had some massive fights all the time. So Gerard on Broadway wins the Jack Adams. As for playoff teams in and out, I think the Eastern Conference stays the same. I don't think anybody new makes it into the Eastern Conference. Maybe that's uh, boring, but I don't see anybody knocking any team out in the Western or in the Eastern Conference. I mean, tell me who. So here's your playoff teams last year Carolina, Rangers, Pittsburgh. Do you think any of those teams are out this year? Florida, Toronto, Tampa. I know people are down on Florida, but I don't think they're going to be that bad. Boston, Washington. Boston, I might give you because they're missing so many guys at the start of the season. And because there's a new coach. But even still, I think they right the ship. As for the West, I think the Kings miss it, even though they were close last year. And I think the Canucks get in. So there's my predictions for playoffs in and out. And as for the Stanley Cup final, an all-blue edition, the blue shirts against the blues. And I am picking the New York Rangers to win the Stanley Cup in 2023 against the St. Louis Blues. What do you think? Tell me what you think of my picks. Just chime in on our Twitch message board. Hit me up on Twitter, at Duck Millard. Get me anywhere you want that way. You can also get us at UFS Network on Twitter. What are your predictions? That is our question of the day. 
What is your Stanley Cup final prediction? I just gave mine. Well, I gave my prediction for the two teams earlier, Rangers-Blues, but I think it's the Rangers that take it. I think it'll be an exciting series for sure. So chime in, have your say, tell me I'm wrong, tell me I'm out of it. Garrett Perkins says Colorado goes back-to-back. Well, Tampa did it, so you know you can't say it can't be done. How about uh, Julio Rodriguez, the first player with a double, a triple, and three runs in the first five innings of a game in Major League Baseball for the Seattle Mariners. They're up 6-3. Verlander is out. Uh, They're in the sixth inning right now. And Julio Rodriguez, who really got things going for the Mariners with a a double early in the game, is is up to bat. Uh, Colorado versus Carolina, uh, says Tony. Yeah, listen, I... Carolina's going to be good, too. They had Brent Burns there. They've got serious skill. Got a great coach in Brindamore. And Tony thinks Colorado repeats as well. You know, they did lose Nazem Kadri. You know, what will the loss of Kadri be and the drop-off of not having Kadri be? They also lost Darcy Kemper, although they he was in and out of the lineup with a, that eye, strange eye injury uh, last year. All right, let's get to my uh, top-scoring defenseman. First of all, this is the top-scoring defenseman from last year in the National Hockey League. Roman Yossi sitting on top of everybody. Ninety-six points. Larry and I were talking about it yesterday. Paul Coffey scored forty-seven. That's the record. It's just insane. Um, it would be amazing if anybody's going to get a hundred points. In my opinion, it's going to be Kale McCarr. Uh, but there you see Hedman uh, right behind uh, McCarr. Uh, Adam Fox, sixty-three assist season. John Carlson with the big bomb from the point scored seventeen goals. Uh, Morgan Riley and Chris Letang, two stalwarts. Quinn Hughes, I'm guessing, is going to be higher up on a lot of lists. Aaron Ekblad in Florida. Listen, that blue line is not as good in Florida. Aaron Eckblad's going to take a step back, I think, and Charlie McAvoy is obviously going to be out uh, for a portion of the season. So with that in mind, here are my predictions. And I have, yeah, the Avalanche, the Norris Trophy winner, Kale McCarr with 33 goals. How cool is that going to be if that happens? And 66 points. Quite a uh, number if you're into math, which I am not. But 33, 66, 99 sounds uh, like some good symmetry to me. Kale McCarr, 99 points uh, for Mr. McCarr. Am I hot? Yeah, I'm hot. That's a crock of crap. Oh, my, Greta doesn't like the fact that McCarr might get his number 99. Roman Yossi, I think, still is up there. Um, puts up a 21-goal season. Uh, there's John Klingberg. Uh, I think he can score 15 in Anaheim and put up a lot of assists uh, to finish number third in scoring, ahead of Adam Fox, ahead of Hedman, uh, even ahead of Quinn Hughes, and people might think I'm nuts, but that's okay. John Carlson, uh, not as... Uh, oh, I think actually, I think John Carlson, uh, I have him at the same amount of goals. I have John Carlson at the exact uh, same amount of points. I didn't know I did that. 
Uh, Morgan Riley uh, in there with a uh, 68-point season. When it comes to my projected scoring. And I got Zach Warinski and, and Rasmus Dahlin uh, sneaking into the top 10, replacing guys like Ekblad and um, Charlie McAvoy. So there's my predictions for the top scoring blue liners uh, when it comes to the National Hockey League. And if you want to throw down some cash on a little ice hockey, you can do it responsibly at BetUSA. And I have a 125% bonus for you. Just use the link in my bio, at Duck Millard on Twitter. Hit that link. It'll take you right to the page. Make your deposit and get a 125% bonus. Throw some money down on some NHL action because it starts tonight. The season is upon us. What do we got tonight? Uh, We have a rematch of the Eastern Conference Final. Lightning and Rangers and then the Golden Knights and the LA Kings. So so if you want to put a bet down on a little hockey action, there is the place to do it. Get the link at Duck Millard in Twitter and get your 125% bonus. Get in the game, have some fun, and enjoy it. All right, uh, once again, our question of the day, what is your Stanley Cup final prediction? You can uh, send those to at Duck Millard, at UFS Network. Also, our top three surprise teams in the NHL this year, Senators, Golden Knights, and the Flyers for me. But I'd love to hear from you on what surprise teams you have in the NHL this year. Uh, also tonight on tap, we have the ALDS game one, Guardians Yankees, 537 Eastern time, or 737 Eastern time. Uh, so that'll get away underway in uh, just over an hour and a half. And then later tonight, you have the Dodgers taking on the Padres. Mike Clevenger against Julio Urias, 937 uh, p.m. Eastern time is uh, that one. So big games tonight when it comes to Major League Baseball. Uh, Obviously some big games in the National Hockey League. And the NFL season will return on Thursday. The NBA season will be getting underway as well. Lots going on. uh, An absolutely uh, brilliant time of the year to be a sports fan, especially if you're involved in fantasy sports. Uh, One more check actually on uh, what happened earlier today. The Phillies surprised the Braves. They jumped out to an early lead, chased Max Freed by four innings, and then hold on after a Matt Chapman three-run home run to win 7-6. So the Phillies draw first blood, pick it up right where they left off after sweeping the Cardinals. And I said this uh, before the playoffs started. Nobody is talking about the Phillies, and that's what makes them dangerous, and I'm sure they felt that as well. Also, right now, Uh, The Astros are trailing the Mariners, who upended the Blue Jays in a sweep, 6-3, although the Astros uh, just put a man on first. So this one in the bottom of the sixth inning, uh, Houston uh, uh, trailing 6-3. Justin Verlander, who will probably win the Cy Young, started this game and uh, didn't get too far. Uh, Obviously, not as far as Justin Verlander usually makes it through a game. 
But Dusty Baker, he did stick with uh, Justin Verlander for maybe longer than you would think. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to get the uh, the Mariners game day to see what Verlander uh, did, but uh, the computer is acting up. So Verlander went four, the same as Max Fried. So both underdogs chased the starters, their aces, in the first four innings. That's what happens when you're playing with house money. When there's no expectations, you loosen up and you go after it. Just like these guys, Duckman's domination this year. Did you see we're as high as 12 in the power rankings? That has to make some other teams really upset. All right, that's it for me on uh, this uh, Tuesday edition, October 11th, Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. Two games in the NHL tonight, still two games in Major League Baseball, so lots of fun to be had uh, when it comes to the world of sports. Big thanks today to Eric Grossman of What's Your Call Sports. Check him out on Twitter, at WYC Sports, and join in the debate. Also, we heard from Derek Van Deest of Post Media and NHL.com. We talked some hockey. We talked a little Canadian soccer, footy for you, and also uh, some Cowboys. He's a big Cowboys fan. We're back again tomorrow. Tom Gazzola will join us. We'll see who else can drop by. Thank you very much uh, for being a part of the show today. If you missed anything on the show today, uh, you can catch it in a replay. We will have that up on YouTube a little bit later on this evening. Thanks very much. Have yourself a great Tuesday. Enjoy the baseball. Enjoy the hockey. Enjoy whatever else you get up to. Take care. Thanks, now. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.